for a better future, sponsored Love by Dory Sinkle. And this is Mark Falvon with co-host Ruben Torres. We have an exciting self-made man guest on this evening, Mr. Daniel Ramos. He's, he's, he's with us on the line. And, of course, is the unflappable Ruben Torres. <laughs> Ruben, I'm, I'm going to yield the floor to you, baby. Go ahead. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. Uh, welcome, Daniel. Finally, we, you're on the air now, and um, I'm happy that you, you took up the invitation and uh, you're, you're here. Well, Ruben and, Tar- and uh, Mark, it is a pleasure to be here with the two of you today. Fantastic. Thank you, sir. Well, to get started, to get started, um, it was, I know that uh, on the press release uh, we had a summary of uh, your accomplishments and your business, uh, but a brief summary of um, how it got started and where are you now and where do you plan to go in regards to your business? My business, how I got started. Well, it all started many, many, many moons ago, and I attended Brooklyn College. And at that time, many people were asking me to help them with their computer problems. And this is the uh, early 80s when, you know, PC was coming out and everybody had a computer on their desk. So problems were rising up and were telling me, hey, you know, give me a hand with this. How do I do this? How do I do that? So I, I helped them. And as time went on and I got my uh, college degree in computer science, I realized, you know what, why am I giving the, the farm away for free? I could be charging for this stuff. So I started uh, Liberty Computing Center, and ever since then I've been running with it. Uh, you know, if you do something that you love, you will be a happy person. Definitely, uh you, um, one of the things that, that I noticed about Liberty Computing, and as a matter of fact, I, I did some work for you uh, when I was in New York, um, the personal touch that you have with your clients. And that's something that I think uh, you won't see too many owners of a company of your size going out there and really meeting one-on-one with a lot of your customers. I mean, I was very impressed with uh, your personal touch. Uh, with Thank your, with you, and, and Thank you. And, and, yes, I do recall when you were on staff at Liberty Computing Center, and I must say that, yes, we do have a, a personal touch simply because from the beginning, Liberty Computing Center has been a family business. And we treat our client like family. As you recall, we would go to a client's location and we would um, not only take care of their technical needs, but, you know, they, they treated us the same way where we would sit down and, and, and chat with them like if we were in around the um, Thanksgiving dinner table with them. Right, right. And, and, and I think that that's one of – personally, I believe that, that that has been one of your key – parts of your success, that personal touch, because you actually do care about who your clients are and how they feel about you, and especially with the, the amount of work that they give you, how you respond to their needs. And uh, I, I've been in the computer field for a long time, and I don't see that very much. You know, it's like, okay, I got your money. We took care of you. That's it. Bye. Let's move on to the next yeah, one. exactly. Again, it's a it's a family business, and if you want to be happy with what you do, you, you know you need to treat the people the right way. It's not about um, take the money and run because that person that you're doing business with today is the one that's going to give you a lead or or more business tomorrow. Right. How 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 the um since you're in New York and Brooklyn and, and you cover the metropolitan area, how, how has business changed since you initially started your, your, your company uh, in regards to competition, in regards to businesses uh, um, leaving the, the state of New York, the city of New York, because of the high taxes, high regulations? 
what has the what has the impact of that of those regulations been on 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 your on your uh, company? Well, first, let me tell you about the small uh, impact, and that is that everyone and their mother and their cousins and everyone in the family everywhere is now considered to be a computer expert. And this has to do because of the plug-and-play ability of most computers today. Unlike when we started back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, it was more of, uh, you know, you need a technician to do a uh, network. And that's not true today. So you go to Best Buy today, you go to Staples today, or any uh, department store, you pick up a computer, you plug it on, and boom, all of a sudden it's uh, plug-and-play and it's connected to all of your network, which is a great thing. But at the same time, it um, it destroyed a lot of the small um, consulting companies. Now, to answer your second question in reference to taxation, don't get me started on that because I will go off until tomorrow. <laughs> um, you know, our our political system, our government needs to radically do something about the way it's treating its people in reference to taxation and how it's treating its uh, business people, Uh, the small business, medium business, big business, everybody. You know, we are simply sweating in order to pay those taxes so that the politicians can stay in business, and that's their business. Their business is making money out of our tax money. Right. Sir, right. It's, uh, I, I wanted to ask, how is the climate, If has it changed at all since uh, the Marxist Bill Watts' name became the mayor of New York City? Uh, any change, better, worse, none? In reference to the quality of living or in reference to uh, the business? Uh, both, that and, both that and the regulatory environment towards uh, you pursuing your business. Well, one of the things that I try not to do or, or I try to do is do like the um, the Lincoln effect, and that is not to talk to, uh, bad about too many people so that I can stay mm. out of trouble. <laughs> mm-hmm. but I, yeah, I can understand you, that. But I can tell you that uh, recently uh, our city has passed laws that allow people to urinate in the streets. It has passed um, laws that... You know, it's just the quality of life has gone down. You know, graffiti is coming up. I'm sure you've heard of the news where the face slashing is is a thing again. So people are now scared walking the streets. Okay, how about in the uh, regulatory vein? Uh, Is there any difference to you pursuing your, you know, normal day-to-day business operations? You know, again, from the regulatory perspective. You know, yes and no. It's like any any type of business. You you have some ornament that uh, passes by, and then you know you're 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 stuck and can't do what you used to do. So you have to change the way you do business. So either you adapt or you close. And and Ruben can attest to because he was close with a company at one time and, and I explained to him um, or I shared with him that, you know, some of these changes in our city is is, is making me reconsider what I've been doing for the past 25 years. Wow. Right. That's earth-shaking, yeah. earth-shaking. And, and, okay, and, and, I'm sorry. And, um, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 no. Mark, say this. Daniel, uh, Mark was in the computer field. For, yes, he for, was telling for, me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've been yeah. since the uh, 70s, since uh, mid-70s. Yeah, we, and, uh, uh, he was telling me that uh, you worked on the uh, IBM 360 mainframe, which is computer that I yeah, well, worked with. I started off, yeah, I started off with that at the uh, – uh, actually, it was uh, – a, bro- a clearinghouse down downtown, but then I quickly jumped to Solomon Brothers, okay. uh, and I ended up running their second shift production supervisor, 
you know, super user up at the console, uh, you know, as, as I orchestrated the uh, evening schedule. And I've been in computers ever since. But uh, It's a wonderful uh, business. If, if you like what you do, it's a wonderful business. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I just, uh, I have some professional training, um, but uh, I, I just, after all these years, I, I thing I look back at, because my career is over, I'm just about retired, uh, and in, in a few weeks I'll be officially retired, um, I look back and I have sort of a sixth sense for this uh, computer business, kind of a sixth sense, it, it, it's been a good ride. You know, but, but you know, uh, it, I, don't, I don't have changed. my own company. Yeah, it has changed from the sixties. Oh yeah, with, with, without a doubt. You know, that's why I laugh when people talk about older folks not being able to change. It's like, excuse me, my, uh, my entire life has been nothing but change, uh, okay. constantly over a few years, and upgrading and modifying and enhancing. So. Uh, uh, don't count us old cooch short. I'll just tell you that, Mr. Ramos. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It, it has changed, yeah, and you know, you need to change. You need to change with the time. It used to be that every every six months was, uh, or every three months was like a total year for the industry, and you had to like relearn everything. Yeah, I, I can't tell you how many precedences I've I've run into and mastered. Uh, and, you know, I'm talking about a precedent where uh, I used to use whatis.com as a source of reference and go there and there's no source of reference. It's that much of a precedent. You know, I'm talking about like uh, installing uh, GSR 14,000 series routers, you know, those big ones where you have the cranks, right. mm-hmm. you know, things right. like that. Uh, but, 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 and, and, but I'm still interested. Uh, how many employees do you have in your company, sir? Well, that I don't like to talk about. Um, it fluctuates. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Fine. You know, I was just trying to well, make a friendly well, conversation. No, no. Well, I, th- I think I think the um, one one of the questions I have for you, Daniel, and, and I've been away from um, New York, New Jersey now for going on two years. Um, we're always hearing about that there's not enough individuals out there who you can't find them because they're not, you know, there's not enough good technical people out there. And that's the reason we need to import more, more, you know, HP1 visas, HP2 visas, all this crap, you know, that uh, right. foreign, no, you know, my, foreign workers, foreign workers. In your, in your uh, opinion, uh, what you, you've seen in, in the business uh, community in New York Mm-hmm. Is that true? Do we do no, we, it's, do, it's, we it's not, do we not have enough good American technical workers coming out of college? I mean, I doubt that. As as a business owner in the industry, I can tell you that that is total bullcrap. Okay, we we have the manpower here in New York. We have the manpower here in the United States. We have the know-how. What we don't have, or at least what I've seen that we don't have, is the contracts. The, the contracts for small to medium-sized business. You know, we th- those contracts are all being given to the big corporations. I'm not going to mention names, but you know who they are. And as soon as a, a big contract comes around, they're going to get some big company to take care of it. So that's what we don't have. But in reference to the manpower, no, we do have that. Right, but but the, what we constantly hear, especially from the from the political crowd and, and also, also from the media, uh, and even some of the uh, big CEOs like uh, Bill Gates and, 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 and Larry Olson and, and, uh, and the other guys, um, I can't think of them right now, they're constantly saying that we have to bring in more of these foreign workers because we don't have enough technical people here to do this. Enough come, time. come, come, come on, Ruben. You know what I am saying. I know. No, I know. We, ha- we I know, have. I know. We have. We have the know-how. We have everything in the United States. We we okay. have it. We don't need to continue importing this talent. 
We have it right. here. What we need is for the big corporation to, to, you know, give out the little crumbs to the smaller companies and for the uh, government to open up and say, hey, I'm going to give these contracts to the small mom-and-pop business. You know, it, right. it's, it's like we, we, will take, we will take contracts, decent contracts. It's not like they're importing people and paying them, you know, one-third of what uh, they're, they're, you know, the, the people here are willing to accept. That's not the case. Right. So basically, we're, we're being told a, a big lie. You tell me. I don't see. I don't see the need. No, I know. I know. I know. I'm with you on that. I know that, that that's not true. But most people that I speak to actually believe that bullcrap. That that we we need more more technical people. And I say we don't. And when we talk about illegal immigration, my concern has always been not the guy who's crossing who's going to do my, 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 cut my grass. I've always looked at the, the, the HB1 visas as more of a threat to the overall economy because these guys are coming in from India, from Russia, from different parts of the world, and they're basically saying, well, I'm going to take a lower salary. And then that, that pushes down, that downgrades, degrades the, the, the pay scale. Would you agree? Yeah, that I agree with. I agree that, uh, you know, it, it is taking jobs away from those people that are here. And, um, you know, not only that, you can turn around and say the illegal immigration, is, you know, is creating a problem for crime. But right. that's a lot of people believe what they want to believe. You know, people believe in global warming. and, and <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I wanted to touch on on you this year. You ha- you you now have you have your own television uh, show program. Um, can you tell us a, little, a, a bit more about that? And because I know you you've been venturing into other areas, other businesses. I think your production, music production, movie production. Well, well, here's the thing. Remember, we said that. Within the industry, you need to adapt. And every time there is a change, you need to foresee what the next best thing is going to be. And a a few, about a year or so ago, I've noticed that the trend is moving towards uh, on-demand streaming. The the, uh, trend is going towards uh, local, small production companies. And for that reason, uh, Liberty Computing Center and myself has said, you know what, let's go ahead and, and prepare some simple, you know, homemade productions and put it out there just so that we can be ready for when we move, when we make that move, that we make that big change to the next best thing. And for that reason... I started uh, localbroadcasting.tv. Right. You know, which it's, I got it's a, a chance, project that, which, I, which I got a chance to see it, and, and I was very impressed. Well, you know, it, it's it's a it's the project that is under development, and we are trying different faces um, on, on the website and so on. So, you know, one day you'll see uh, one style, the next week you'll see a different, totally ripped down just plain videos and it's for that reason because we are under that development on the, under that uh, local broadcasting right right because I know that I know I, I, I was I was able to host one program when, in your studio in Brooklyn yes so we had we had the former we had a, a, a former governor uh, not governor mayor of Bogota Steve Longin who's the uh, head of the Trump, um, Cruz campaign in New Jersey. And then we had also Mr. – we had a couple of politicians, and it was uh, – Mark, you're going to enjoy this. These are individuals in New Jersey, and you know them, that were constantly fighting 
with each other, and they were in, they were in the, on the news, always attacking each other. So I, I mentioned, I was mentioning to uh, Daniel, we're going to have these guys come to Brooklyn. They came to Brooklyn. I was very surprised that they they took the drive to Brooklyn, but they did. They came, and they they continued to argue their points, you know, their preferences, and then after the program. They all went out to eat and had drinks together. Like there was nothing. I'm glad you brought that up because that was the most memorable thing that I remember. Um, yes. I am, I, I, I am in the um, in the production booth, and at, like halfway through the taping, I thought that the, these three or four individuals were going to get into fist fights. Yes. And I'm like, oh, crap, are we going to have to, you know, stop this and call the police or something? Yeah. And as as soon as it finished, they were like, oh, let's go have something to eat. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and yeah, it was unbelievable. The show. Oh, my but, you God. Know, you know, it's like, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Dan. That, 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 that reminds me of what another person told me years later, and that was... It doesn't matter if you are Republican. It doesn't matter if you're Democrat. It doesn't matter what party you're with. The rent is due on the first of the month. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so basically, Marco, what what Daniel is saying is that we have hope for the the, the cruisers and the Trumpsters to go out and have a ball after all of it. <laughs> yeah, oh, true. And then, and not only that, how about we uh, cease fire and combine forces? I'd love to see that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Nothing like uh, eight years of a Donald presidency followed by eight years of a Ted presidency. I could drink to that. <laughs> I could, right, but, right. but anyway, you know what? I, I wanted to, you know, I was really getting into the ID dis, IT discussion we were having. Yes, uh, you know, because yes, again, yes. I've been in this business forty years, um, over forty years, and there's there's also something I've seen because uh, Daniel, I built uh, over four hundred individual networks. You know, I'm I assisted in the specification gathering. I directed the construction, and then I was responsible for 24-7-365 functionality. And other thing now, so I've worked closely with the IT bigs of Fortune 50 and many firms. And where I'm going with this is I've seen outsourcing. Uh, right. Specifically, I won't mention this company's name, uh, but I directed a web hosting facility. It was one of my earliest customers. Uh, over the years, they had the same IT staff coming in and out, you know, upgrading, maintaining their site, you know, as well as, you know, uh, me, the web hosting person responsible for their functionality. And then one day, uh, they they had a new head of IT. And a week later, all these people that we had known all these years were gone. And everything was supposedly to be done remotely. But as these right. things usually end up, you know, someone's trying to save a few Benjamins uh, and uh, their penny-wise dollar foolish, and their website started to have problems down the road. And I, was, I tell you the truth, I felt that was karma, and I was kind of happy to see that. Because, you know, here I worked alongside these people for over five years, and then poof, they're gone. So um, how how have you seen in in your end of the business? Because I've also been on both sides of the fence here. You know, I've been on the side of the corporation uh, seeking uh, IT uh, contractual support, uh, and I've also been the, the company providing that uh, IT support. So I've seen both sides of the fences, and this outsourcing, I'm telling you, hurts us as well. Your comments, sir. Well, outsourcing to a small business is good for me because, you know, I, I can go in and replace 
the entire IT department, like you said before, people that you've known for five-plus years are now gone, and they were replaced by myself. They were replaced by people like Ruben. So I'm not going to knock on that. Well, actually, um, actually I'm sorry. When I, to me, outsourcing meant that this is going overseas. Oh, no, that, not, yeah, that, not, I, have a, not just, that I have a problem with. <laughs> that I have <laughs> okay, a problem yeah, with I would think so. because that, that, that affects me because, you know, now – now the homeboy from Brooklyn cannot just go across the uh, the uh, river to Manhattan and uh, take care of a problem. Now it's it's someone from across the ocean taking care of the problem at you know one tenth the price. Right. Yeah, and, and also possibly not taking care of the problem. <laughs> I've seen that too. You know, have to live. Oh, also, something I have to tell you is, as another insider, um, <clears throat> excuse me. One one of the uh, networks I installed and maintained was for Wipro in in India. Okay. Uh, and, you yeah. know, I've heard them described as the Microsoft of India. Anyway, um, so uh, in many cases, anyone in the U.S. calling a, a certain destination, a brokerage company, the New Jersey Turnpike, NBC, whoever. Merrill Lynch, whoever you're calling up, you end up in India. Those calls, that whole VoIP setup, went through my facility. So I, I told the story on the air, but it, to give you an idea of what we are up against, we being Americans and Western business clients, uh, there was apparently a major network failure in the whole global Wipro network. Now, being that the it was housed in my facility, you know, the heart and soul of it. I was on conference calls. As soon as I joined the conference call, I hear a man whimpering in the background, like, <laughs> so, you know, what what have you. There's so many participants in the call. At the time, I didn't know, is, is, he, is he in India? Is he in Virginia? Is he in some AT&T knock somewhere, et cetera? Anyway, it ended up being... Uh, a vice president came on the line for Wipro, which was very extraordinary because uh, I find the folks in India are very class conscious. And a vice president normally, from my experience, wouldn't sully himself with, a, with operational difficulty. Uh, however, he was on the line. And, and then I noted that the whimpering was at his location. Uh, as we're going into the call, I hear some sharp cracks that sounded like wood on a Formica table. At the same time, this man who was whimpering cried out. Uh, eventually, we resolved the problem. And I, this, we were on the call a few hours. You know how those calls go. Uh, eventually, the problem is resolved. But uh, the duration of the call, periodically, uh, you would hear the man whimpering and then cry out with these sharp cracks. Uh, uh, eventually, it was my suggestion that, that resolved the uh, issue we had, uh, and it wasn't in my facility. However, uh, the vice president was most grateful that we had resolved the problem, and he tells me, sir, sir, what can I do for you, please? What can I do to help you or do something for you? Thank you so much. From the torture chamber, okay? The gentleman in India was startled, startled by the fact that American employers did not institute corporal punishment. So this yeah. is what you're up against in the overseas markets where, uh, you know, I, I, the, this gentleman being tortured, or, and that's my term, uh, he could have made a coding error or something. So they hook him up and beat him up, you know, as an example uh, to the rest of the people doing the coding in the coding department. But that is what you are up against, sir. And this was in, uh, this was 21st century, okay? I'm not talking 1980s, 1990s. This is 21st century talk. They beat the people over there. We, we have a story. lot of different style in the culture. Mm -hmm. yes. We have a lot of different styles. Yep, and I heard it with my own ears for hours. Uh, and by the way, my uh, AT&T senior management was upset with my comments about not calling me from the torture chamber. <laughs> 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 you know, like, oh, wait, guys, I, you know, I don't want to hear that. 
I don't want to hear some guy be And this was hours this, this went on. And he was whimpering when I got on the call. So who knows when it started? Who knows when it ended? Right. And, and, and we're talking Wipro. We are talking some small Indian outfit. You know, we, we are talking about someone with global reach. Uh, uh, at that time, they were called Wipro Spectrumine. I believe they shortened their name just to Wipro. Well, Wipro and the two biggest companies in India are Tata and Wipro. And, uh, yes, and I was on that, the phone with a Wipro VP. Right. The other one that is big, India, that is, has a big uh, market here in the United States, it's called Infosys. Those three. I've heard I, of that. I did, yeah, I did work. I, I worked, when I worked for um, uh, a banking um, for USB, I mean, UBS, excuse me, um, I worked with a lot of, the, a lot of guys who were here on HP1 visas from, uh, and they were from India and, and, and they had actually been placed at uh, uh, UBS by those three companies. So, right, because they were, you know, it's the old headhunter fee. Those companies are being paid a nice dollar to provide right. this personnel. They're paying, obviously, much less than that. And, uh, you, you know, the, the ongoing commerce is the difference between what they charge the customer and what they're paying these H-1B candidates. Well, you know, like I said before, I, I, I'm not thrilled about exporting any type of work if we can uh, have it done here in the United States. You know, the idea of doing it for less, I understand where the corporate heads are coming from, but at the same time, not right. You know, I, I, I don't see myself putting away a few extra hundred dollars in a Panama uh, account just so that, right. you know, I, I, I can I can save a few dollars here and there and, and not take care of our own here. And I'm pretty sure you guys have both read by now about oh. the Panama Papers and the um, head of government in, in different countries have uh, billions and billions of dollars hidden away in, in uh, different type of corporations in, in Panama, and this is just has come to light. So, personally, do you think they intentionally omitted uh, any yeah. American citizens, or there there wasn't oh. any? What do you think, sir? I, I well, I, I I I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not going to speculate. I don't know. Um, could there be? One, two, or a few? Yes, of course, it could be. I know I'm not one of them. You know? Well, I, I'm not I in a position you, to be one of them. That makes three of us. <laughs> I, I can tell. I can tell you from someone who's been in Panama City in Panama. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, it's it's a big, big. It's it's another great, uh, Grand Cayman Island, so an offshore for offshore uh, accounts. That's been known. I'm not surprised. I'm surprised at the people, but I'm not surprised that that's what's happening. That's happening there. It's a well-known, it's a well-known place in, in Latin America. That Panama is the central. And if you go to Panama, uh, it's so Americanized. I mean, I was there twice, and uh, you feel like you're you're in the U.S. Yeah. Wait, well, I mean, you know, can I can I cut in here a minute? It's funny you bring this up. Because next week, our guest is going to be an expat who resides in Panama now and has <laughs> resided there for several years. But, but, but anyway, uh, something else I wanted to tell Daniel, and I don't know if you recall this, Ruben, but a lot of people don't know, 9-12-01, the day after 9-11, America was cyber attacked that day. It, it, I've written about it uh, to, to get it out publicly, but it never seemed to catch. But uh, the MC, at that time, there were three major networks in America, AT&T, Verizon, and MCI. MCI was down the whole day. Verizon was down a few hours. Um, 
AT&T was only down about 15 minutes. Now, the reason I know about this is because in managing a data center with hundreds of AT&T customers and dozens of fully managed customers, um, I had to know about any potential outages. And I was on a conference call that included the, the three knocks of the companies that I mentioned. And for those outside the business, that's a NOC is a network operations center. The North American operations center is for Verizon, AT&T, and MCI. Now, as customary with these calls, uh, being that you have your own company, sir, uh, maybe uh, you, you've been out of the corporate environment too long, but what happens is many people establish little side conference calls uh, amongst tr other trusted personnel. And uh, on a separate side call, one of the AT&T knock techs whom we trusted and knew, whom we as me and several allies and friends nationally, um, he was telling us that they've tracked these, these network attacks to northern Pakistan. And what it was doing, it just kept on uh, uh, producing an, an image that had a vulgarity towards the United States and they were doing hundreds of thousands and millions of them a second, and they were overwhelming the networks. And the reason this stuck with me so much is because it was the day after 9-11. I'm still numb like most Americans are. And then all of a sudden I get this uh, text, which was like, you know, DEFCON 1 text, uh, being that I was a data center manager and to participate in these calls. And that's not public knowledge. And, uh, again, MCI down the whole day, MCI several hours. AT&T, because of a quick-thinking technician in Virginia where the T1s came in, he right. saved AT&T. Uh, uh, and... Uh, he was actually being reprimanded on the call by AT&T senior management for taking the action that he did. And in the meantime, as he's resolving the issue single-handedly, unilaterally, uh, he's fighting back at the senior management. Well, uh, you know, and he's arguing with them as he's working on the conference call. It was quite amazing. But this technology out there, and I want to tell this to the audience and to Ramos, to interfere with American net data networks exists because this was 2001. I can imagine how further uh, progressed uh, these uh, nefarious antics have become and are waiting to be unleashed upon some sultan's word somewhere. God knows where, God knows who. But uh, I'm sure they have this capability, you know, uh, humming and ready to go. Uh, do you have any input on this, uh, uh, Daniel, on this uh, uh, data hacking and difficulty we're having coming from overseas attacking our networks? In reference to hackers? Well, both hacking, you know, black, yeah, black, hacking yeah, and uh, this. Hat, uh, uh, go ahead. You know, they, they, they do exist. They are out there. Um, everywhere around the world, including within the United States. Um, we see that every single day it happens, and, um, you know, everyone needs to be a step ahead of, of, of what's going on. In reference to what you mentioned of uh, 2011, uh, 2001, as you mentioned, it's not public knowledge, therefore I cannot confirm. Okay, I just wanted to see, but uh, I, I was on... I had never in my life or, or my career at AT&T specifically been on a conference call piped in with three North American knocks of the three North American networks. And uh, at, at any given moment, people were chiming in with information or facts, and you didn't know, was this the AT&T person? Is this the MTI person? Is this the Verizon purpose? Because there were many excited utterances going on and most of the time you weren't even sure of the source. But I just remember the MCI people screaming, it's going, it's going, and they, all their lights went out, and MCI went down. And oh, it's funny, by the way, because a year later, MCI came in and put their network infrastructure in my facility, and I was the, their global hub also for, for their network. 
but uh, uh, Verizon also was down a few hours. And, uh, you know, they all gave cockamamie excuses publicly for why these outages occurred. Yeah, and no, I don't think any, any one company know. is going to give out any specific information on why it happened or how it happened. You know, it's right. Even though hundreds it, it, of people were participating in the in this phone call, and you know, you you can always put the blame somewhere else. You can say, oh, um, the the situation was one of the relays were inside the uh, World Tra- World Trade Center, and they knocked everything out or something like that. Right, I've heard right. excuses like that. Well, oh, yeah, basically, yeah. basically in today's world, Mark and, and, and Daniel uh, can attest to it, especially since I'm, I'm in the field, I'm in the IT field still, is that you have you have different defense mechanisms, you have a disaster recovery, uh, you have you have multiple firewalls, you have you have different filtering filtering uh, systems out there uh, to protect and enhance, or you have a redundancy, you have a cluster environment. Um, so the, 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 there's definitely a lot of ways nowadays technology has advanced to such a point that you you know you have managed routers and you have unmanaged routers. Uh, so, uh, yes, they can still penetrate if they really want to. I mean, they just penetrated uh, different uh, government agencies, like the FBI and all that. So if someone really wants to, they're going to do it, but you, you want to. What, what my philosophy has always been: I want to make it a lot difficult, more difficult for you to penetrate. That you get so frustrated, you, you're going to go the hell with this guy. I want to go somewhere else, right? And, and also, and also, adding to that, uh, in any environment I'm going to be uh, involved in, I'm going to want to immediately be notified that this hacking attempt. Uh, has been initiated. Even if I'm confident it's going to be unsuccessful, uh, I want to know, you know, when the hell and who the hell is trying to hack into my network. Uh, Because you you may be able to pursue legal or other types of non-IT options uh, uh, because you, you definitely want to discourage that, you know, fully. It's the full weight of the law. Here's here's my thing, and I tell this to clients. Number one, if you don't want something to go out there in the world, don't put it anywhere on the Internet. Don't put it on your servers. Because at any time or at some time, you will be penetrated. And it doesn't matter how good... You are. It doesn't matter how good I am. It doesn't matter how much money you're paying me. It could happen, and eventually it will happen. Yeah, so right. the, the point is that we could be the best of the best, but there's always some black uh, hat person out there, black, ha- um, black hat hackers is what they call, that is as good or even better. So again, it, it it happens. So if you know, don't put the information out on the internet. Don't put it on your server. And if you do, make sure you have redundancy. Exactly. So yep. you can bring it back up immediately uh, if you need to, or on, on off-site. <laughs> as, oh as yeah, as I, I, love, I know. Uh, oh, go ahead, Ruben. As much as I love IT. And, as, and, and that's what I do for a living uh, as well. And as much as I love politics, but politics, we're going to go into politics, but not Trump or Cruz, but we're going to go into politics with Mr. Ramos because I know I've heard out there that you've told me that you want to run for office and you are sending out surveys indicating to get everyone's opinion on that. So, Ruben, you've been hearing it. rumors, haven't you? <laughs> What 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 is the current what what are you looking to go into and what are you striving for? I mean, and what point in this political uh, future political career are you at? As I tell people, 
I am not a politician. I've never was a politician. Will I ever become a politician? I don't know. Um, I have been asked to run for different offices. And because of that, and because of the many people that that have asked me, I've been asking a few close friends, as Mm -hmm. yourself, you got one of the survey, you know, is this something that I should uh, consider, or is my life perfect the way it is now and stay away from, from the wave? So... What have I considered and why? Um, mm-hmm. I've considered three different positions. I've considered okay. um, city council for New York. I've considered yeah. the assembly, and I've considered the uh, Senate, state Senate. Okay. The, you know, and, and for the reason that as a business owner, I see that it is extremely hard for small business people to succeed and I feel that being part of that politics I can make it better that's the number one reason number two as you know from the news New York City is even though we hear like ooh crime has been going down and shooting has been going down it's a place that, once again, people are afraid to walk the street the same way we were afraid back in the 1970s, where people are now randomly getting slashed on their faces, they're getting stabbed. We had one stabbing mm-hmm. uh, two, like two days ago in Brooklyn, fatal stabbing. Um, we had an individual who uh, did a, uh, a hit and run, actually a carjacking, and then with the person's own car, hit the individual, killed him. And there was a hit and run on that. So when they caught the guy, they found out that the person had like uh, I forget what it was like twelve prior arrests. And and one of the things that I feel that we need to do is get rid of thugs. You know, um, if they've been a thug once, they've been a thug twice. They're going to be a, th- a thug three times and four times. So we need to make sure that uh, you know we cut our losses as early as possible before they commit these type of. Uh, um, crimes like murdering people so for that reason i feel that maybe there is an opportunity to do a change here so that's the rumor that you've been hearing (laughs) yeah yeah you know i I grew up i I grew up in that new york city in the 70s and 80s that you're talking about daniel so uh, i know all too well you know i was the target of four mugging attempts uh, because I would go all over the city at all hours into any neighborhood, and um, you, you might say I was asking for it, but hell, you know, uh, this is America. I should be able to go where I want to go, when I want to go. So exactly. uh, uh, I understand with, with what you're talking about. I, I haven't been in the city in a while, but I talk to people, and they, you know, I saw a lot of people in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and... Uh, from all hands, that's what I'm getting, that the deterioration is noticeable. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, as someone who lives in Jersey and would shoot into the city um, now and then, and I'd usually get out at Port Authority, you know, all over on 8th Avenue, and even during Giuliani and uh, Bloomberg, even though the streets were safe, you could still feel all of this, bottled up negativity, resentment, hostility, uh, that it, it was always there, especially even during the, again, Giuliani and Bloomberg administrations. You when you walk those Manhattan streets late at night, and it was it's a different world than it was at 5, 6, or 1 p.m. in the afternoon. Um, so it was always there. It's just sadly because of this, this mayor, and I can't believe the people in New York City elected this idiot. Uh, you, you know, you know. I'm going to segue and ask you a question. Why is it that every elected leftist is a gross incompetent for the office that they maintain? I mean, I have noticed this pattern. If you're a leftist, you're terrible at governing and managing. Any suggestions of why that is, Daniel? 
<laughs> you're, you're asking the wrong person, man. I mean, I, that, that is so far on, left for me that I don't do, know where do, 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 do. it is. That is so far left yeah, that I don't know where it is. If you're thinking of running for office, having lived in Brooklyn, I'll tell you, every election, there were always politicians at this King's Highway station. If that's in your district, I'll tell you the track record I've seen over the decades. Every person running for any, almost any office in Brooklyn or citywide was at that King's Highway station because all the buses bring the commuters to King's Highway to take the trains into Manhattan. So that is a hot spot. <laughs> and I don't know if that is, that's in your district, Midwood, Brooklyn, that section. You know, no, I, it's, it's not... a little further out. Oh, okay, all right. It could be probably further south, you know, because Midwood's just on top of Coney Island, Brighton Beach, et cetera. Okay, but uh, the, it, it's it's a hot spot, baby. Always was. It, okay, so uh, anyway, Ruben, we have about nine minutes left. Uh, yeah, uh, now, no, no, no. What can I ask you? Yeah, go ahead. I, I just wanted to ask Daniel, are you a Republican or a Democrat? Really? Do you need to ask that? Uh, Ruben knows. Yeah, I, I do I hope, because I I'm, hope a Ruben knows. I'm a Democrat. <laughs> no, I, I, hey, well, Ruben I, may a, know, but I don't know. I am a Republican. Okay, I am a Republican, fine, fine. Uh, you know, full Republican at heart. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, you can be whatever you want. I, I've even had a uh, segment on one of my um, political talk that um, I, I don't care what you believe in i don't care what you pray to you know as long as you're not a person with the ideology of you know death to america or anything like that i'm okay yeah, with it like i said before you know the rent is due on the first of the month and, and I, i'm taking that to heart uh which is true yeah 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 yeah, yeah what, i know what, what, i feel the same you know the moderate what? democrats are just squashed in this uh uh, you know, o- Obama, Bolshevik, apparatchik that the, the party has set up. Um, and, and, you know, back in 2008, 2009, and 10, when several key Democrat, I'll call them middle of the roaders or blue dogs, decided not to run for office, uh, all the media was attributing, oh, to the Tea Party, oh, they're afraid of this, oh, afraid of that. Uh, from what I saw and from my experience inside the Dem Party, because they don't exactly love me either over here in my district. Um, but what I saw is all these moderates were retiring because they saw how the party had lurched so far to the left uh, and had that leftist ideology. And like someone off the top of my head, Evan Bayh, I think he just retired from politics because of this. Well, I, so I'll tell you my you experience. You can't give up on this Democrats yet. You can't give up on this yet. You know, there's a lot of us out there that are decent folks, but we're, we're just censored and stymied. I'll tell you my experience in the few minutes that we have left. Um, okay. You know, after people have asked me to go ahead and run, I've been talking to close friends and expressing myself on, on what I've heard so far. And um, one person told me, you cannot be a politician. I asked him why, and he replied by saying, you're not a crook. So that's yeah. like thinking, you know, okay, is there something I don't know? Um, another individual, uh, and these are people that are either in politics or close to people within politics. And mm-hmm. another one told me, you know, be careful who you talk to because it's a cutthroat um, game out there, and uh, you could think that that person is is on your on your side, on your party, or you know, gun ho for you, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're left out in the trenches. So, is you know, is that something that I really want to get into? Yeah, is a scary thing in reference to who are you dealing with out there, or do we all jump in uh, on it and you know make it a, a nice game or nice playing field and not this cutthroat situation like we're having today? Yeah, well, I can tell you from my experience. I ran for I ran for the assembly in New Jersey. 
against Donald Payne Jr. Uh, her father was um, a congressman. I ran in a district, a, a county that is predominantly has the Democratic machine controlled by Steve Autobato. Um And I still, you know, I had, I did it because I was asked by Governor Christie and his people if I could run. And I got 60,000 votes for very, very little money. He beat me by 40,000 votes. He beat me by 40,000 votes, but he had the whole machine behind him. So my advice, and I think I've mentioned this, you got to have, you got to raise money. Yeah, I felt I'm not good as a politician because I don't like to be asking for money. That, to me, was a turnoff. You know, I did it. I said, I'm not going to take any money from no one because I don't want to be beholden to anyone. If you have that attitude, if you have that attitude, then politics is not, uh, being a politician is not for you because I don't, I've never had to beg for something. I, I don't, I'm not going to start begging when I'm at this Yeah, point. yeah. That's, that's, you know, it's funny you mentioned Steve Abadado. You know, I was on his show as a guest for 30 minutes during yes. the Ground Zero mosque controversy. And it yes. was, the show was advertised as the Tea Party versus the Muslims. <laughs> and uh, it was an interesting 30-minute segment. I think the show was called Capital Report. Yeah, yeah, but it's his father. You see, there's two people that run New Jersey, and it's not the governor, and it's not the assembly. It's Steve Autobotto <laughs> in North well, let Jersey. Well, let me just say... And, and George Ruben, let me just say that, 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 that. Let me just say that you are a brave man for mentioning names, because if I do something like that in New York City, you know it's it, it's a scary situation. You, yeah, but Ruben's you know, in Texas now, Daniel. You know. Yeah, so, I guess that, 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 <laughs> he's a long way so, off. So, so here's a, here's I, I a good thing. If you if you ever see me in Texas, you know that I mentioned name and I had to escape New York. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say those names when I was in New Jersey. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'll, I'll, that's I'll keep that in mind. Um, yeah. Ruben, in reference to that show you referred to that uh, we taped, I don't know, ten years ago, with. Yes. Um, um, the the then city council Tony Avela and now uh, yes. what is he yeah. um, the uh, senator? Um, yes. I found the tape and if you want to take a, a stroll to memory lane, you can look at it oh, at yes. uh, localbroadcasting.tv forward slash lgr two. I want Mark. I want Mark. I want Mark to see it. Let me, let me give you the full name. It's uh, yeah. lgr2.mp, excuse me, m4v. Wait, can you, so you'll uh, find like, uh, can you message that to Ruben? Because I'm, I'm, I do the show from my bedroom, so I do not have any <laughs> paper, pencil and paper. All right, no problem. You know, and, I, and I do it from my bedroom so that uh, I don't interfere with the other operations in our household. <laughs> you know, normally, you know, I have a table and a desk I use in in the uh, living quarters, but uh, I don't use it during the show. You know, I don't want to interfere right, so. with them. Anyway, listen, I wanted to say thank you so much, uh, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to give us the uh, your yeah, network yeah. Addy again and your TV show Addy, but I just wanted to say we are a 501c3, and uh, for every dollar you donate to us, we spend a dollar sixty-five in my approximation. The head of our organization is Doreen Finkel, great lady, uh, puts out much of her time and money and effort uh, to preserve this country for our children and grandchildren. Now, Mr. Ramos, you want to give the uh, name of your TV station again, sir? Well, if anyone uh, wants to contact me, they can always contact me via libertycomputingcenter.com. They can also find information about me on localbroadcasting.tv. I share a lot of my uh, personal and political opinions there. Um, I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn, so there's many, many ways people can find me. Okay, great, exactly. great. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to use this show as an employment opportunity. If you ever get a contract for web hosting footprint, <laughs> give me a call. I've done over 400 of them, including IBM, Ernst & Young, and the uh, 9-11 companies. 
I also look at that. Look that at was that. some experience in my life. I did Marsh McLennan and Dow Jones. You know, we replicated it in hand. Their network. You're, 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 so you're doing a you're performing uh, job interview yeah, on the air. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And I'm going to finish up hey, with. T- I, I I was one of four SMEs on the East Coast for AT and T for data center build outs, functionality, and operational operational operationally. Uh, and that you know, a SME, sub a subject matter expert. So if you ever yeah. get a contract for that, you know who to call, baby. Because <laughs> I set up hundreds of these things. Okay, listen, Definitely. everyone. Thank you and good night. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Have a good one. We'll, Mark, we'll be